Hello and welcome to the first episode of our brand new podcast, Formula Focus. We will be bringing you all things Formula One related, touching on F2 and F3 and also across the podcast series, we will be bringing you an insight into the world of Formula E and Extreme E. I'm your host, Chloe Logan, and I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend and Racing Post journalist, Owen Goulding. Now, obviously, this weekend is the first race of the 2022 F1 season. So with that that being said, I think we should start talking about F1 and free practice and what's going on this weekend. So, Owen, it's been a little bit of a while since... Feels like it's been a long time coming this weekend, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like we've come full circle a little bit as well, obviously, finishing off towards Bahrain at the end of last season and coming straight back. Um, it's nice to see the new cars on track now. I think, obviously, with testing, we didn't really get much insight, both kind of in terms of where the cars are in the pecking order and actually being able to see them. They were quite secretive with that. So it's been very nice to have a couple of hours of being able to see the new cars on track. And there's been some quite surprising results, I would say. Yeah, there definitely has been. That's definitely a good point. Like, um, I think also with all the car launches that we saw, a lot of them were more livery launches. We didn't yeah. really see the actual physical car. So when it came to Barcelona testing and when it came to Bahrain testing last week, I think we sort of really saw the true car, um, so to speak. And definitely been interesting to see the changes. They, I think all the teams have like, everyone's answered the question of what should a 2022 car look like very differently but they are yet yeah, all correct answers which i think is really fascinating like the regulations are obviously we've got different regulations this year um so and it's just the way that the teams have all interpreted it it's quite interesting to see isn't it yeah it's been very uh curious obviously you've got the mercedes with their side podless design has with about 700,000 inlets um, across the cars. So it's been very interesting. There's a lot of different teams have their own niches, I think, with the way that they've looked towards the, the actual regulations themselves. And obviously that's played out in quite a weird way with the practice results, uh, which we'll get into shortly. But yeah, it's going to be sure. interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned side pods and Ferrari have got basically buckets on the side of theirs, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's been very... It'll be fascinating to see whether Ferrari's kind of massive side pods or Mercedes' lack of side pods is going to be kind of the answer. I think with this stage with the yeah. regulations, a lot of teams will end up adopting the other teams' kind of design niches once they know what works. Obviously, you had that with Red Bull with the F-Ducks in, back in 2013, 2012. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which way the kind of cars go from Bahrain heading forwards. Yeah, I think um, after, like, say, three or four races, I think we'll start to see teams changing their cars a little bit, having learned what does work and what doesn't work. And we might all see massive side pods if Ferraris turns out to be the best, which, having seen free practice one and free practice two, have to say, Ferrari are looking quite strong at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm very... I don't like saying it this early on in the season because Ferrari will always let you down. 
Um, and I don't want to give people false hope, but for, they, they have looked very strong thus far. Obviously, with testing, they you know there were glimmers of the massive potential they have. And obviously, with Leclerc and Sainz being second and third in second practice, I think it's looking like Ferrari are going to be contenders this season. Um, as I say, I'm more hopeful than optimistic at this point. Um, it's very hard to kind of get behind Ferrari, given how disappointing they've been the last six or seven years. But fingers crossed they can carry this through into qualifying. Seem like they're. It feels like this year is a good year for them. Yeah. Um, they've had a bit of a. They've been in a bit of a little bit of a rut recently in recent times. Um, but it feels like they're on the up again, doesn't it? Especially it, towards yeah. the end of last season, they were having those fights with McLaren to finish third in the constructors, and it feels like they're carrying that momentum forward into this season, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think Bonotto as well was very, towards the end of last season, was very bullish about the fact that they were kind of really focusing towards their 2022 car, which obviously fed into kind of the the optimism that Ferrari might actually be able to sustain a title, a kind of title contention beyond pre-season testing, which is kind of how it's felt the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, yeah. as I say, it, it's there's hopeful optimism, I think, going into this year like always but i think this time i think ferrari might actually have the the car to back up the back up the claims which for all the ferrari fans out there is makes a nice change it's quite nice for them yeah definitely i, I think as well people forget just how long it's been since ferrari actually had a constructors or drivers world championship i mean it's been what 15 years since raikkonen won the 2007 world championship so I think it'd be nice to see a, a red kind of scarlet car back on top for once. But again, quiet what optimism. They're challenging. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. 2019 is probably the only season where that's actually happened. So, I mean, there was kind of 2017 as well, but that very much petered out in classic Ferrari fashion. So I'm very, uh, I don't like hyping Ferrari too, up too much. It'd be nice to see um, like a third car in the mix four podium positions and for the top stop top spot this season rather than it just always being uh mercedes and red bull and talking of mercedes what is going on it doesn't look too good thus far i mean with mercedes you never know because they you know they are the, the kings of sandbagging so there could be a, I, I would imagine there's an element of that but given what Toto Wolff and Hamilton have said in coming out pre-season testing that they're on the back foot and they don't feel like they're on the same level as Red Bull and Ferrari, again, obviously there's an element of sandbagging and they're not going to say that, oh, look, we've, you know, we're hiding away our true car we're actually really quick. So there's probably some mind games going on as well. But to have um, Hamilton finish down in ninth and Russell six tenths off Verstappen in FP2, it's not looking particularly good. I mean, even the car out on track doesn't look quite as good as the the red bull and ferrari have thus far so it could be interesting to see whether for once it's not mind games and the mercedes are genuinely struggling yeah and also to have former teammate of hamilton's um valtteri bottas finishing above him in the timesheets in fp2 in an alfa romeo which i think a lot of people are quite surprised at aren't they yeah, I mean, it only took Bottas leaving the top team to go to a midfield team to beat Hamilton, but 
No, I think Alpha oh. is probably the the surprise package. I think out of the practice sessions, obviously you can't take too much out of them. But Alpha Romeo and Haas as well, which we'll get onto later, have both looked pretty pretty strong thus far. I think it's a very compact midfield, which is good, which is what we wanted to see anyway. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we all wanted closer racing this season. The new regulations and the new cars are designed for that purpose so it should be quite interesting but like you say obviously can't take too much away from testing or from uh practice so far um i think tomorrow morning's practice will be the one that will really see the true pace of all the cars and who is really up there fighting for pole this weekend yeah definitely there's not too much you can glean until you get into saturday when the kind of the engines are fully turned up but from practice, it's looking particularly positive for those uh, fans of non-Mercedes um, and good yeah, racing, I think, in the midfield. So, fingers crossed. But it's not looking too good for McLaren fans at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that's the main shock from practice itself. I mean, McLaren had that issue with the brakes that there was well advertised from pre-season. So, yeah. I think that we were kind of expecting that they might struggle a little bit early on, but to have... Norris 1.3 seconds off and Ricardo somehow 2.2 seconds off. It very much feels like last season all over again. I mean, Red Bull have made a huge step forwards. Ferrari have made a huge step forwards. You know, even Haas and Alfa Romeo have made pretty sizable strides. And then you've got McLaren who seemingly have either stagnated or gone backwards. Obviously, it could be a case of they are sandbagging a bit. Obviously, we don't know too much. But from what I can tell from pre-season going into this is not looking too good for the papaya cars i also think obviously you do need to take into consideration the fact that ricardo obviously missed a lot of testing last yeah. week because obviously he had covid of course. so lando ended up doing a lot of the testing for him and so both obviously vettel's out this weekend with covid so hulkenberg's come back in um yeah. to drive for aston martin so both Ricardo and Hulkenberg are in the same position of they've sort of been thrown in at the deep end haven't they because they haven't had time to test the car and then they've been thrown straight into practice and they've just got to get on with it haven't they but that's the life of a racing driver they're, it's what they're paid to do they've both been in the sport long enough they should know what they're doing so yeah it's going to be tricky for them I mean, Ricardo's definitely starting on the back foot. Hulkenberg probably especially so, um, which is the fact he's only a tenth off stroll in first practice is very... I'm sure he'll be very happy with that. I mean, obviously he was the super sub a lot in the last couple of years, so he's well averse to this sort of thing. But I think looking at Aston as a whole, um, it's not looking so hot for them. Obviously they were 16th and 17th no, in second practice and first practice was a bit more, you know, was slightly better than that, but... They're one of the surprise. I, mean, I think when we discussed preseason beforehand, we were both kind of on the fence as to whether they, they they were one of those teams that could have been really good or really bad with the new regulations. And I think it's leaning towards the latter. Yeah, I think we both sort of said they're very much going to be a mediocre team, like midfield team, and it's just a case of whether they can make that step up this season compared to yeah. last season or if they are going to be in the midfield but from what we've both seen so far i think we can both agree that they're a solid midfield team at the moment 
Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping for Stroll, Hulkenberg and Vettel's sake that they are uh, holding something back for Saturday. And I imagine they probably are, but I think Aston started quite slowly. Sorry, Karen. I think Stroll and, you know, Aston Martin generally started quite slow last season, so I wouldn't be too worried if they do have a slow start to things. Yeah. I mean, what I was going to say was I think you could say the same for um, a lot of teams that they're all holding something back at the moment because yeah. they don't want to show their true. It's the first race of the season. You know, it's a long season. It's a long way to go. They don't want to show everyone what they've got in their back pocket too soon. Yeah, exactly that. I think that there's going to be a lot of kind of flux from the practice results into into qualifying itself, but it's nice to be able to have some sort of representation as to how the season's going to go. Obviously, Ferrari, once yeah. again, as I said before, giving me horrendous amounts of false hope that they're actually going to do well this season, but we live in hope. Talking of hope, Haas fans, I think they've got a bit of hope at the moment, haven't they? Yeah, it's looking good. Uh, obviously, they've kind of dumped the last two seasons purely for this, so we were hoping and praying for Magnussen and Schumacher's sake that that's kind of all paid off, and it looks to looks to have done. If you look at the practice results, obviously, Magnussen was quite quick in, pre in pre-season anyway, so I think it's all positive signs got, heading out. And then you've got Schumacher ahead of Lewis Hamilton in FP2. Yeah, that was um, seeing... You know, Schumacher and Hamilton next to each other on the leaderboard again was very, a very strange thing to see. But it, it's nice to, it's nice that Schumacher seems to have kicked on. Obviously, it's from his kind of lower Formula days, he always seems to have one season where he needs to bed in and then he completely really turns the screw up in the next season. So I think the fact that he seems to have done that again will be very interesting for the rest of this season. I think that's the life of a rookie though um your first season is very much about finding your feet i think we've seen it with all, all rookies across formula one and even f2 and f3 um their first season is a settling season and then the second season is when they step up and really show their abilities and what they can do with the car yeah exactly and i'm hoping because obviously there's not too many rookies heading into this season it's just uh joe and He's just show, isn't it? It's show, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's just show now. So I'm, I'm hoping the likes of Sonoda, you know, now that Sonoda's had one season and Schumacher's had one season to kind of bed in, they should kick on now. I think Sonoda was quite many people's disappointments last season, given how well he started and then the way he fell off with some interesting manoeuvres in some certain races. But hopefully this can be his season where he really shows his true potential as well. I think we've also discussed before, I feel we both feel like um, Sonoda this season does need to step up and be not necessarily on the same level as Gasly, but not too far behind. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we've seen what can happen in the Red Bull family. Yeah, it doesn't feel like much of a family sometimes. Um, I would imagine that the axe is very is following him very closely throughout this season i think if he does if he performs to the same level he did last season i don't think he'll survive post hungary heading into belgium i wouldn't have thought but hopefully that isn't a conversation we'll have to be having later on in the year hopefully not like purely for his sake and for the team as well it'd yeah. be nice for them to retain both teams 
all four drivers to stay the same throughout the whole season would be it'd be a pleasant change a for change. Red Bull it would be a change but it'd be a nice change it would be a welcome change and I think for Sonoda um, I feel like there is going to be a lot of pressure on him but hopefully he can step up and compete and now that he's had his first season he can really show what he's capable of fingers crossed obviously I think the one team we haven't mentioned so far is Alpine out of kind of the the bigger bigger teams they've had a very mixed practice thus far after looking a bit shaky in pre-season so I think they're still a big question mark for me I don't know how you're feeling about them honesty when I'm looking at Alpine I'm getting really confused because yeah. they look like racing point it does look like that doesn't it and i'm just like that's not it, it doesn't make sense it's the wrong team racing point aren't a team anymore they are now aston martin why are they on the track it's all very confusing with the the new sponsorship obviously with uh, bwt putting a lot of pink on that car um it does look like alpine have totally disappeared and we've got force india back but um, racing point i get yeah. i keep falling to them as force india still somehow even though it's been what 10 years uh but yeah it's been very weird to see i think their their whole kind of team dynamic has been very strange thus far yes um obviously we're in bahrain this week this weekend we've touched on what's happened this year Maybe I think I feel like we should talk about what happened last year a little bit. Yeah, obviously last season it was very, it was a very close affair between Hamilton and Verstappen. Uh, the former getting on top of that argument after Verstappen tried a slightly questionable outside move that he was forced to give back. Slightly, um, yes. Yeah, obviously, little... it kicked off what was an incredible season. It and did. I, it, it was. It was. It was a once in a lifetime, I think, season. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it just it, the thought of that happening again this year, I don't necessarily see it happening. Um, no. Don't get me wrong, it would be really nice if it was, like, just for the drama and for us as fans. But obviously, I feel like there are more contenders this year, which is nice. Yeah. I think rather than having um, a two horse race this season, we might end up with a free horse race which i think is obviously far more exciting because i think ferrari red bull and mercedes are likely to be on a fairly similar level this season and i think the thought of having six cars in with a chance of winning is very exciting well, that, that, is, that is as long as mercedes can figure something out and get move their time get their timings up a bit and Move up the timesheets. Yeah, I mean, they haven't looked good so far, but again, I think there's a fair element of sandbagging there. I would not be surprised to see uh, Russell or Hamilton on pole tomorrow after a fairly dismal practice by their standards. See, you've put that out there now. You've I've put it, it in the world. You have put it in the world. It's... I don't know that they'll necessarily be... Um... P1. I think they will be up there. I would like to say that both Mercs will be in the top five. But from what we've seen, a little bit hopeful, I think. 
Yeah, I think it could be... I think it'd be hopeful to say that they'll be winning the Grand Prix, but again, it's Mercedes, so... Then, you never know. And also, as we saw last season, the power of the undercut did yeah. Hamilton wonder what won him the race at the end of the day. Exactly that. And I think looking towards the race, who are we uh, Who are we giving as our top three? Obviously, as the host, I'll have to graciously let you go first on that. Oh, put me on the spot. Top three in the race on Sunday. Yeah, top three in the race. Purely based off what we've seen in practice. Yeah, which makes it even That's more difficult. Because uh, as, we, really as we know, practice is about as useful as, you know, pre-season testing these days. Yeah. Um. Oh God, you really put me on the spot. Oh, well, I'll let you have a think for a minute or two while I go through mine. I, I think. I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful that Leclerc is going to win the race. I, I think, out of the two Ferraris, Leclerc's always had a better record in Bahrain than other tracks. That might be because there's not many walls around. Um, but who knows? Um, but I, I think he's got a great chance of winning the race, judging on what we've seen thus far. I think Verstappen's also looked very quick. I was quite surprised at how well Red Bull have managed to translate last season's car into this season's. I mean, that's not too much of a surprise, given Adrian Newey's prowess at rule changes. So I think he'll probably fall out second, and then I think it's going to be a very close fight for third, but I will give that to Sainz. I was sat here thinking... I do quite like your top three, actually, because I was also sat yeah. here thinking... I can see a Ferrari winning the race. Just purely, they look as though they've got the pace. We're buying into like, the hype too to... much. I know, we really are. Um, I was also going to put Leclerc first. Yeah, I, I think that's um, a good shout. And then, and then I think maybe... I don't want to copy you, though. I mean, it is a good top three. I, I wouldn't blame you for copying it. You know what? I'm going to say it. Hamilton second. Just Ooh. so I'm not copying you. I was about to say, I feel like you're being a bit too edgy with that. <laughs> I just don't want to copy you. So I've just put it out there, you know? You just don't want to give me the satisfaction. Do... Hamilton's going to do what he does and just come out and fly up the field this is what's going to happen i mean from what we've seen thus far he will literally have to put that car on his back and carry it i mean i'm tempting fate too much here no many many times alonso circa 2012 kind of vibes for this season potentially and then in third we'll put verstappen yeah just so we can continue the the rivalry yeah, I, I think we could end up having a Hamilton-Verstappen battle by having it Leclerc-Verstappen this season, which would be fascinating because, obviously, Leclerc and Verstappen are two very similar drivers in the sense of they don't back down from a fight in any way, shape, or form. So that could be explosive. It really could. All right, well, I think we've uh, covered F1 in quite some detail there for this weekend. Should we move on to the support races and F2 and F3? Yes, yeah, and as we're kind of recording this, 
F2 qualifying has literally just wrapped up, which is a spot of good timing. And Doohan has absolutely destroyed the field and is five tenths quicker than everyone else on pole. What do you think about that? It was it was an interesting um, session. It was very close because obviously Hughes and Hughes was up there. He was first second, first second, first second, and he has ended up finishing. He's ended up finishing second. He ended up finishing second. I'll give you some context here. The... Yeah, I don't have the sh the timing sheet in front of me, whereas I know you do. Yeah, I'll go through the top ten for you, just so so you know you've got a little bit of context. We'll see Doohan's on pole from Hughes, Sergeant in third, Drogovic fourth, Lawson fifth, Nisani sixth, Boshong seventh, Deruvela eighth, Porcher in ninth, which is a bit of a surprise, and then Vips in tenth. It, and it is all quite close at the moment, isn't it? Because obviously, um, in practice. Drogovic was at the top of the timesheet, but there was only a sec less than a second separating the top 13 drivers, wasn't there? Yeah, it's spaced out quite a bit in qualifying, which is a bit of a surprise. Obviously, Doohan has, as I said before, smashed the field. He's five tenths clear. But second down to kind of 16th is separated by a second. I think there's kind of a breakaway group of drivers from Hughes down to Boshong, which have kind of separated themselves from the rest. I was very, as I said as well, Pocher being ninth is very surprising given his kind of reputation and the, how well he did last season. I think it could be interesting to see whether that's just a qualifying thing, but he's not set him up well for the start of the season. And talking of drivers doing well, obviously Piastri won the championship last year. Yeah, but he hasn't been given an F one seat, which is a little bit surprising, I think, for everyone. Obviously, yeah. he's moved up every season. He's moved up a level, and this year he hasn't. But obviously, Granite Joe has moved from Formula Two into Formula Three, and at Bahrain last year, Joe qualified first and ended up going on to win the feature race, didn't he? Which he um, did. And obviously Piastri, having who obviously won the championship, he won the second of the sprint races that they have with Joe finishing third. But I think we were all a little bit surprised that Oscar Piastri was not given the chance in F1 this year. Yeah, I think that was the most contentious point going into the season, kind of in the kind of driver changes. I think a lot of people were expecting Piastri to be in Joe's seat, me included. I was very surprised by that. Obviously, we we know the reason why. Um, you know, it's pointless going back over that, the kind of pay driver kind of argument. It's there, it happens, it is what it is. But I think Piastri definitely deserved a seat in F1 this season. The fact he hasn't is surprising, but I'd imagine he'll get his chance next season. You'd hope. But looking yeah. at that F2 grid this season, opportunities are going to be scarce because the F2 grid is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. For sure and even f3 um the lower formulas and the support race formulas are definitely building in strength aren't they and i think there's going to be a lot of drivers who we all think especially in f2 deserve a chance in f1 but there just isn't the seats because the f1 field is also so strong it does it is going to take another driver to retire like raikkonen um 
to be able to offer someone else a seat. Yeah, I think that that's the problem. I mean, there's, the seats aren't going to be easy to come by. There's not many drivers on the F1 grid at the moment who are close to retirement, really. Um, especially in the midfield teams and towards the, the back of the grid, there really isn't many drivers you could look at and kind of go, they're going to be retiring soon. So teams are going to have to make that difficult decision of do we unload X driver to get Y driver from F2? I think it's going to be tricky for people trying to move up, which is, yeah, it shows the strength of both the F1 and F2 grids that we're having to kind of mull over this. Yeah, I think it is a shame, obviously, because it would be nice to see new talent. But yeah. it's, it is also understandable because if you bring in new drivers, they've obviously got to improve themselves. Like Sonoda, like Joe, like um, Schumacher last season. Um, yeah. And it is a, then a bit of a difficult one. But then you've also had Dan Tictum, who finished second last year in Bahrain in F2, has obviously now moved over into Formula So there are then chances there for F2 drivers, but it's obviously not on the same level, which no. is a little bit of a shame for the drivers. But then obviously Oscar Piastri has been given, um, has been confirmed this year that um, obviously as Alpine's reserve and development driver, he will also be able to drive for McLaren should they need him. Yeah. Which I think is a great opportunity for him. Yeah, there's obviously, there's going to be chances there and I'd imagine he'll appear in some practice sessions as well down the line. I think he's probably the most likely candidate to take Alonso's seat, potentially. I mean, it also depends how long Bottas sticks around in Alpha. Um, there's potential for seats, but it's going to be very difficult to come by. I say he's one of those drivers I'm crossing my fingers gets his chance because there's a lot of F2 drivers who don't get the chance they deserve. Yeah, I think if Alonso announces that he's going to be retiring at the end of this season, then I think Piastri will be the front runner for that seat. And yeah, basically, 100%. in my opinion, it should go to him because, like we've already said, we feel like he should have already been given a seat for this season and he is Alpine's reserve driver so that's the natural progression up for him really isn't it yeah definitely i think it's just harder to make that kind of linear progression these days with the strength of the f1 grid the strength of drivers that are coming through and obviously the the pay driver kind of discussion that has been driven into the floorboards so it's pointless sir uh, giving our kind of thoughts on that one yeah and then obviously like i've already said you've got quite a strong f free grid as well because obviously Hoyer who won last season is now in F2 having moved up um the Red Bull driver who drives for Perma in F3 but F3 is also quite surprising at the moment this year from what we've seen so far yeah it's been uh F3 has looked devilishly competitive as it always does um in qualifying obviously Franco Colapinto got pole which was a huge surprise given it's Van Amersfoort's first uh, championship kind of runner in F3 so it wasn't the um, wasn't the result we were expecting but from Colapinto up front there is literally a second from, 30, uh, from first to 20th place which shows kind of just how strong and competitive the the order is down there it's nice to kind of see a little bit of deviation from the, the Prema dominance isn't it yeah, it is. Obviously, Prema lost the 
they've won every constructors title in F3 and only lost out to Trident for the first time last year, which was, I think, quite surprising and also, but it was also quite a nice change. And obviously this year, with our first qualifying, um, with like the first time entry into the series, being at the front and being on pole is quite surprising and it's not something that you see very often this day and age. No, it, it's a nice, it's a nice one for the kind of smaller teams, if you can call them smaller teams these days. I think Prema, obviously, the, there's 30 drivers in F in F3, so it, it's very difficult to get a kind of grasp this early on and who's going to be in the running order. But Prema's drivers, obviously, Arthur Leclerc is kind of a favourite for many to come through and take his place up with Leclerc, um, up, up with Charles in F1 at some stage, but. He could only uh, manage uh, 14th in qualifying, which is quite a surprise. I think the the lead, the lead Premier runner, especially mm. given that um, Leclerc was second in practice and to now drop down to 14th is yeah, quite it, a it's a jump, surprise. It? I mean, the lead Premier is Behrman in 11th, so it, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how they can kind of scythe their way through in the race. Obviously, it, it's F3. There's going to be a few instances, I would imagine, but they've got some work to do, which yeah, isn't something are. you often say. There's always incidents in F2 and F3, and I think that's what makes both those championships so exciting because you never really know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it is always so open and so um, so tight, and you, you, I wouldn't want to bet on anyone in either championships because you never know what's going to happen a bit yeah. like in formula for formula e which obviously we haven't got a race this weekend but there has already been two two races this season three races this season already sorry um yeah we've got another one uh coming up soon which we will also be covering which very exciting but yeah i think the only championship that there's really um some clear front runners i think is formula one and i think that is also to do with the level the difference in the financial situation in the championships yeah like yeah. the income the sponsorships and just the way they're able to develop the cars yeah i think with f1 you can always count on kind of the the ferraris red bulls and mercedes of the world always being up there regardless of how they're development goes obviously you'd kind of usually put mclaren in that argument but there is uh, some contention among that going into this season obviously again i've said the word sandbanging at least 40 times i'm sure it's something i'll continue to mention as we go through the season but i'm hoping that's the case with mclaren but fingers crossed well, i think for this weekend i think for this weekend the sandbags we need to take them off of the car and leave them in the desert of bahrain yeah, I think that's what the teams will be doing post-Saturday. I'm sure they'll be kind of taking those off and throwing them back into where they came from. Give them back to the camels. Yeah, Are they I, I think they need them. I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not going to Google that. We'll just leave that to... We'll leave, leave that, that out there. there and see what happens. Um, bold prediction for this weekend. Oh, that's a tricky one. I'm going to say no Mercedes on the podium. I think that's See, fairly normal. I can't really say that because I've already, I've already said Hamilton's going to finish second. Because yeah, you tried to be a hipster and didn't want to agree with me, so you, you've got to, you've made your bed there. Bold prediction for this weekend: Haas will score points. 
Yeah, I, I think that's fairly bold. Which, which one, though? I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is that a step, step too has, far? Yeah, has someone, somewhere, somehow, mm. are going to get some points. That's right, I'll put it an might opinion only be out one there. point. It yeah. might only be one, but... I'll put an opinion out there. It's going to be it's going to be Magnuson who gets a point. I think that's the more likely, but just to cover myself, or just say has. Okay, I'll let you uh, be a bit timid this weekend because it's the first one. But I'm not going to allow you to be so so poor with your bold predictions moving forward. We'll see what happens, but um. Yeah, let us know what you think of our bold predictions and our top threes for this weekend. Let us know if you've got any bold predictions yourself. Um, and thank you for listening. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>